The kids on Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? Halloween is a Freddy Krueger podcast. Was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. From the Consequence Podcast Network, the minds behind the Losers Club comes a new podcast in fantasy terror. Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Halloweenies, a Freddy Krueger podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too. And I'll be right there behind you. Constant listeners, and welcome yet again to another episode of The Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast presented by the Consequence Podcast Network. I am your host, Mackenzie uh, Marauder Gerber. Uh, nothing, nothing specific this time, <laughs> but we're uh, we're here doing a little mini episode. Uh, we've got Henry Zabrowski from the last podcast on the left, and your pretty face is going to hell and many things. And he's here to talk horror with us. Across from me is Michael Micmac Rothman. Oh. Uh, we're going back to Pet Cemetery for some reason, but uh, editor in chief of Consequences Sound and. A constant contributor to this podcast and Halloweenies. So, oh. yeah, fun times. And who's on my left? Uh, this is Lara, child orgy scene, Unterstall. <laughs> I am now filled with regret for uttering those words. Um, I am a intermittent loser and uh, here today as well. So, hello. I think it's fair to say you're a constant loser. Oh, yes, that oh. constant loser. Thank, thank yeah, you. You know. Oh, well, it's no more honorary <laughs> losers with the, amongst the group. So, oh, okay, we're good. all right. We're good. Well, uh, I'm, yeah. glad, I'm I kind of feel special now that now you've been inducted as a, a constant contributor to this podcast. I, I can't wait to receive the ceremonial brand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we all cut our hands, um, and then it spins around, and um, yeah, uh, Benjamin Wallfish's score starts playing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this is a podcast, and the last podcast on the left is another one. And you're you're a big fan of this podcast, right? I am a, a big Last pod head, pod pod ass. I don't know what you call fans of this podcast, but um, I'm a big fan of it. I I listen to it to soothe myself to sleep. Yeah, I'm excited to be here today to chat with Henry. I know know my girlfriend is just uh, seething with anger. Uh, (laughs) You know, fifth uh, fifth dimension co-host, Sammy Kekendall. She's just dying because she's a huge fan. And uh, I'm a pretty big fan also. I'm not huge on uh, true crime, but uh, I love the spooky. And uh, that podcast does the spooky very well. And I could care less. (laughs) No, I've known Henry since college, and um, it's going to be really fun to to catch up with him a little bit. Yeah, I I think that... uh, uh, we've got a good crew here, and uh, we ready to kick this thing off? I think so. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, get them on the line. Hello. Yo, what's up? <laughs> hey, Henry, this what's is Mac. <laughs> what's going on, buddy? How's it going? Uh, Sorry, I'm late. No, it's okay. It's all right. You know, uh, we just you're a busy human being, and um, uh, I'll kill somebody. We'll we'll (laughs) kill the world. 
Uh, you are on. Very dangerous person. <laughs> You're a dangerous person. Am I live? Uh, you yep. <laughs> you yeah. are. <laughs> you are now. Uh, you're yeah, on... I'm going to kill somebody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. This is it. <laughs> you are on with Michael and Laura and myself. And um, is it okay if we ask you some questions? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. How dare you say that to me? My uh, old friend. Now, listen, old friend. What do you want to know? I want to know out of me. I know that you ha- have a I know big... it sounds like I'm coming out of here with a lot of heat. All right. I know it sounds like I'm coming with a lot of heat, but well, let's just say, hey, there's a lot of heat in the kitchen. All right. And oh, you're, we're all chefs. You're, this work, you're in the kitchen right now. We're all chefs. Mm-hmm. No, we're all, there's heat in the kitchen. You can't send the heat. You got to get out of the kitchen. I'm wearing a chef's hat, but I didn't go to chef school. That's how I'm feeling today. So clearly you have a background in comedy. <laughs> my, sure. question, my question for you is, what's the first Stephen King book you've read? <laughs> Okay, the truth is my first Stephen King book I read was It, and I was 10 years old. And I remember going to my mother and trying to find out what blowjobs meant because (laughs) the very beginning of the book has the whole breakdown of like, suck me off for a dime. It sounds like it's, for some reason I I did it in a Cockney accent. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. But they did like a whole thing which is about people getting sucked out and getting sucked on for dime pieces in the very beginning. And my parents was like, my mom was like, some people are bad in life. And they have to they have to suck other people's penises for money. Like you said something like that. Oh God, God! I was hoping you'd do your. It's a job you don't want. She, she literally, she was like, "It's a job you don't want, Henry Thomas. It's a job I don't want." And I was like, "What?" And then she just, she just, she shuddered. She shuddered and held herself. So after that was cleared up, you read the rest of the book. Did you enjoy it? I. I remember bits and pieces of it. I remember it being, because I got it from the library, and it was the old school, big, uh, hardcover with the Georgie bow and the tentacle coming out of that thing. And I remember being obsessed with the cover of the book. And then I remember, but same thing, and then I reread it not too long ago, about two years ago, I reread it, and I forgot just how, like, Stephen King, I think better than anything I've ever read, writes in a, a, an abusive husband. Yeah. So scary. And it stuck with me throughout my entire life of like that, the idea of mad dad. Mad dad. Yeah, yeah he is like got yeah. a, a talent for writing abusive males, I've noticed as a theme. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's really, I mean, because I don't think he was, because he did cocaine, but I don't think he beat his family. I don't think he was wrong what he <laughs> no, knew. No, <laughs> no, I don't think he did that. I'm not, right. We're not going to declare that today by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> no, I mean, Joe Hill seems fine. Yeah, and so does Owen, all of it. I, I think he, he probably beat himself, maybe. I, mean, I, I don't know. Beat himself up for having the, having the thoughts, having those dark thoughts. He could. Yeah. Took it out on Danny in The Shining, apparently. Yeah, he takes it out on his characters, like, for sure. He did. He really did. Owen is not. Can I? Is this how sensitive would it be to say? Is Owen a special? Owen is is smart, right? Owen's not like the gump. He's not like a Forrest Gump. Like he's not like he's wasn't like being. He's not being helped by 
Stephen King, right? Like where he puts him in front of a, a, a typewriter and he puts like a, I'm a writer hat on him. Like he is a, I'm pretty sure Owen King stuff. I'm pretty sure he's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure they both wrote uh, sleeping beauties and that's like an 800 page book. There, so there's gotta be Henry's saying that like, did they just slap Owen's name on there? Uh. <laughs> you just, just trying to get him in the family business. So they have the one half-minded son that's just like, oh, think I could write too, Dandy. And he's just like, you're 32 and you can't read. And then he just goes ahead and he does put him in the business because he's just trying to diversify. Because Stephen King is probably sitting on at least 25 unused manuscripts at any time because he's addicted to writing. That's that's which is crazy that he writes as much as he does. Well, that that actually is a good point though because you think like back. I mean, I think back to like with my own parents, and I'm always like, act, you know, Dad, can I you know borrow the car, or like, can I like have yeah. this? You know, this is a cool item that you had from the '60s. I want this. If he did have an unused manuscript, what's to say? Like he couldn't just be like, you know what, Owen, you could take this. I, I, I've you've you can take it. this one. You've earned it. You've earned it. <laughs> Yeah, you've earned it. You've earned this. You haven't ruined. You haven't Roger Clinton me yet, Owen. You haven't tried to ruin my career yet. You can. You can have this one, and I can guarantee I cut all of the children's sex out of it because of the blowback I got for the last one. <laughs> now, obviously, so would it be correct to call you a fan of horror? Absolutely. Yes. So yes, you. It would be. <laughs> Uh, where did, so obviously you were reading, you know, horror novels at 10 years old. Were you, when did you pivot to true crime? I know that that's become like a bigger thing in recent days, but were you always kind of interested in that or was it just like, Oh, this book has a cool cover. It's a horror book. I'm going to read it. Uh, or was Stephen King really your only outlet at that time? I was super into the entire world of anything that was very scary. Mm-hmm. I really, these days, have kind of equated it to growing up Catholic. But there's something about going into a special place where a, a, a diddling man in a uniform given to him by God, and he is in front of a flagellated man. Like, literally, he's on a, there's an impaled man. Yep. on the wall, mm-hmm. caught in mid-screen. I think there's those images burnt into my brain. And then it kind of went from there. But I was always very into serial killers. Um, and honestly, but I always, to be honest, I've always liked the paranormal more. Even now, I still like paranormal and UFOs more. And now that serial killers are just like everybody and their mother is allowed to say that they like it, it's very interesting to watch it like watch last podcast grow because of that interest but my personal my personal shit is way more towards ghosts and aliens Mm -hmm. speaking of which henry i have a highly specific question for you um i I want to know when you're getting your own mufon sponsored reality show where you investigate alien activity and it's going to be called high strangeness and the logo is an alien but it's also a weed leaf um and i picture you honestly yeah Mm -hmm. it writes itself Right? Yeah, exactly. You're I I don't know how much I could publicly talk about it because I tried to approach MUFON and I came out of nowhere being like, this is free advertising for you. I've been doing free advertising for you for many years. And I got the first response of, we've actually, um, we're fielding a lot of offers right now, so we're not ready to join up with you. And that's not 
real. That is not true. And I find that a month later because then they came back around and they're like, so you want to do this project like with us? And so we were talking and then I don't know if any official will happen, but I obviously, I have plans in mind for a entire high strangeness project for myself. I would hope so. And that uh, makes my heart sing. Thank you. Because I have to put, I have to, because it comes down to, it's like Tom DeLonge is right now living the dream. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because he's got that Blink-182 money that he, I guess he has no heirs. I don't think he has kids. I don't think so. so. He is just, yeah. You know, I don't think so. So he is just spending that money <laughs> on UFO, on ufologists, mm-hmm. which is just like, I don't want to give ufologists money because they can't be trusted with cash. They can't be trusted with cash. Yeah. They can be trusted with hours and and morale support. Yes. That kind of thing. They need volunteers that's more why, than anything. Yeah, that's why you just got to get them all high and film them alien hunting with you um, and Tom DeLonge and Dan Aykroyd, and, and then you've got yourself a real winner. <laughs> that's a great idea. All of them. Yeah, it's a whole, it's three men that you would not want to see alone at a hotel bar if you're coming <laughs> back at the end of the night for one last drink. Yes. Precisely. Well, going back yeah. in your like Catholic upbringing, because uh, I'm actually I'm from a Jewish family, and I had to I was forced to go to Catholic school for Same. about twelve or fifteen years. Mm-hmm. It's kind of my nightmare. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I want to say like I never really thought about it, but I think I yeah I think my like my attention to the supernatural and my obsession with like horror did come from that. And I wondered like you know were there anything from the Catholic teachings that like absolutely terrified you. You know, Satan, Dante's Inferno, and the, the depictions of hell. When I was a little kid, I took it, I mean, just incredibly seriously, because it was a fear first, like, especially where we were at. It's definitely, the goal is to just be afraid of God, mm-hmm. afraid of the entire scenario. And so I, I was very scared about the actual little literal realities of hell. Mm-hmm. And the idea that there was, I think there was also... Part of it was also a true fear of this, um, the idea of just an omnipotent creature, like a thing that can see within my walls, knows all my thoughts, is just watching me jerk off. And he's loving it. And he's loving watching this little kid masturbate. And I don't want, a, and that was a part of it. I think it created a, a thing inside me where something clicked at some point where the the main thing that snapped me out of it was that realizing that priests are humans, that they are men. Yeah. Um, and that they, uh, like this, I, cause I remember just being like nine being like, why do I have to talk to him? Mm-hmm. Like, why can't I just do all of this shit with the wizard of Oz? Like, why can't I just do it with this guy? Like, why do I have to talk to him? And they're all like, because it's the rules. And he, and he'll you know if you're doing good in confession because he'll touch your knees he'll try to touch your feet and I'm just been like that's weird I have to do good in confession confession like I have to like get him all randy or something like I don't know um, yep and then I just got out of there as fast as humanly possible <laughs> yeah uh, but I really wanted to I went to the button to go into the seminary I had gotten that far oh, wow. oh really. That's interesting. My father, yes. my father was in the seminary and then dropped out. Uh, so, you, how old were you when you were trying to do the cemetery? Oh my god, I almost said mm, cemetery. 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 They try to get they try to get you early. Mm-hmm. They try to get you thirteen, fourteen. Yeah. And so I was. Just, I guess, 
it's not court. It's it's something about I don't know if it was courted, but I remember at some point they were like, "You actually can go because they were like, he loves to talk, and he can't like you get all of the buzzwords and all of a sudden you learn how to talk the talk, the way priests do." And I love the idea of a sermon because I was also obsessed with stand-up comedy. So you, the idea of having a, this performance space was also very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I realized that I would never be able to touch a booby, which is true. I realized that that's really, then that's truly what they, they've my whole life. Is that the last thing they let you know when, when they're trying to get you into this at 13, you know? Yeah, they lean <laughs> it over. Does it, it, it doesn't, it just doesn't click until at some point, I think I remember just being like, wait a second. So I'll never be able to kiss a girl. And they're like, these are the sacrifices we make for the Lord. And I was just like, fuck the Lord. What is this? Precisely. Fuck the Lord. Um, I, speaking of, of going to hell, uh, you, I know I've been watching the new season of Your Pretty Face, and it's pretty great. Um, I just saw you, you know, give birth to a bunch of flies the other night, which was great. Um, what else can we expect out of that show? Any upcoming seasons filming? I, I'm, we're just praying for a season five. Yeah. Praying, which is a funny term. We are, we, I want a season five really, really badly, and we're, we don't know yet. We don't know yet, but we have two more episodes left. I, I'm hoping the one thing I've always been kind of disappointed about Pretty Face is that people like when Black Jesus came out on Adult Swim, the Christian church fucking freaked out. People freak out over all of these other shows. We're just being like, I was really hoping that at least somebody would get like viscerally upset by our show, <laughs> mm-hmm. but maybe we're just too silly or some shit. It's something, but I'm. I think that there's an episode that's left that will hopefully get people like really, really upset because there's one episode that essentially we just dumped in a bunch of hot button issues just in the center of it. And I think it'll be good. I uh, I can't. The fetuses with guns. Oh hell yeah! Fetuses with this. You'll see these things. You're gonna see these things. I'm pretty excited. I, uh, I look forward to this. Not to do a total 180, but like you mentioned that It was your first book with King, right? But what was your first movie adaptation of Stephen King that you remember watching? I mean, I'm, honestly, it's got to be because my mom was into it too. So we watched fucking everything. Yeah. So I, I saw all of that stuff. It might have been The Shining. Yeah. That might have been one of the first ones. Because I remember just being sat down by somebody and being like, this is going to like change your life. And it like, you know what I mean? Like it was like mm-hmm. one of those where it was the first time I saw it, it was like I didn't sleep. Um, but then I became a massive, I'm a big Dark Tower head too. Ooh. Me and my wife were, were obsessed with Dark Tower. That was like our everything. And man, oh man, there's got to be a German word for the expression of what we felt when we watched the movie, <laughs> like I had a, cause I, I actually, I went in for it for a part in it. Oh, so really? I had a, but they had a lockdown script. And so I only got a couple of scenes. And from what I read, I was just like, Oh, okay. They're playing real fast and loose with this shit. I'm just like, that's fine, whatever. And then you watch it and you just like, hot damn. Yeah. Henry, like, what, what did, it, what, 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 screwed up Elba? 
You had Idris Elba. What, what, that's yeah, the that, you know, that's our feeling. That is our feeling for it real. Is our feel, yeah. I mean, I, I I did not think it was Idris Elba or Matthew McConaughey's fault at all. No, <laughs> you know, like that's not no. what was going on no, with that movie. Seven books into one movie for ninety insane. minutes is insane. Like you know. I don't. Well, they obviously were just like we could do whatever we want. It was so like they just saw it be like we know better than that fucking nerd. Like, they had a picture of, like, Stephen King on the wall that they just, like, threw food at every day, being like, well, what do you know, nerd? Well, now, they're, they're, they're going back now and redoing this with Amazon, but really kind of totally rechanging, rethinking, I guess, the, yeah. the idea, the approach. And it's definitely going to be much stricter to the books from what we've seen. And uh, starting, I guess, with Young Roland, if you were to be in this series, Henry, who would you want to be? Oh man. Oh man. There's so many fun like I mean you could just be cast as everyone and then (laughs) (laughs) It would be so fun. It just to be a part just to to have been there. I mean, honestly, the like oh what's his name? Is it Cuthbert? Yeah. Like the funny friend. Yeah. Like honestly, like that was like I figured I was like, that was cool. I actually thought that maybe I would even get a chance to even go in for that. But now I'm 35, man. I'm not a boy anymore. A, you could be like court, you could be like court or, or, you know, uh, <laughs> go as court. Yeah. Or, no, no, nobody wants there's to no be court. World, there's no place. There's no place in Gilead for a 35 year old man. You know what I mean? Who's not rolling. Who's not like a mutant. <laughs> Yes, yes, I'd be, yeah, I'd be a good mutie. Uh, <laughs> so wait, so you you went out for the movie? What happened with it? Did you like? Were you just like fuck this and walked away, or was it just kind of like? No, no, I was like, I'm a damn actor, man. I fucking take whatever comes. <laughs> I'll put in. You put me a. If you want to do a whole thing where I'm like banana Hitler, I'll fucking at least go in for it. I'll check it out. You know, it's really dependent on where it shoots. As long as it doesn't shoot into, you know, like, uh, like I don't know, uh, like Siberia, <laughs> I'm go. I'll go there, man. I'd even go to Siberia if it's like got a seven episodes guaranteed. I get that one of those contracts. Like I'll go. Seven full episodes of Banana Hitler in Siberia. I'm sold. I'm sold too. Yeah, I'm there. Mm-hmm. I want it to happen. So you're right now on tour, right? Yeah, we just got. I just got back from. Um, I went to New York to do some other shows for the network. Uh, Jackie just did a live page seven show at the Bell House in New York, and that was a lot of fun. And then uh, the week before, we were in Vancouver, Portland, and Seattle. And then we're just about to go to Australia for two weeks. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, it's Uh, fucking awesome. We're living a a portly dream. (laughs) Yeah, how have the shows been going? It's been really fun. Because we do, we really work it out. Like we do essentially, we build out an hour and a half set. So we get better and hone it as it goes. Like we shot last year's special and then we threw out the show. Now we're basically working on a new show. Oh, awesome. So it's really fun to also work it like a stand-up. So we're doing it. We're man- we manage to retrofit our dreams. Yeah, I was going to say. The podcast. Yeah, because you're just like- <laughs> You've got test audiences now, and you're just honing that, and then you'll film it. <laughs> Pretty much. Jeez. I mean, we're going to try to. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do with this one yet because then next year we have our book coming out. Yeah. So next week. So next year will be 
which I understand. It took us two years to write a 400-page book. <laughs> two years to write a 400-page book, and it kill, killed us. It was so difficult. I have no clue how Stephen King sits <laughs> and writes these things. Honestly, how do you write a 2,500-page book? No, hey, I, he I, said six okay. pages a day. He does have a, a strict constitution about it, but I, I've, I mean, some of my pals that have written books, like they've said, it's the most torturous experience they've ever had in their entire lives. It's, it's this weight that's on your shoulders every day until you finally are able to kind of give it away to your mm-hmm. publisher. Yeah. How's we just finished it. The, the publisher literally was just like, so we handed in, they're like, all right, when's the next one? Oh God. I, like, I will kill you. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. I don't know when the next one is. You write it. I read a book called like Hot Dogs of America, and it's just me to explain all the hot dogs I've eaten. Like I'll do a driver's giant, I'll do one of the diners drive at the dive type of books <laughs> where I eat at various rib sticking like establishments across the country. That would be cool. That'd be a great pivot. The year, I think your followers would be like, "What the fuck is this?" Just just call just call <laughs> Stephen. Have him ghostwrite, or just send him one of the twenty-five yeah. manuscripts he's yeah. got under his desk. He's already got. He's got at least one about his ten favorite mole outside of Mexico. <laughs> like he's got to have one of those where it's like the, the best hokies I've ever had. Because he just has the monologue on his insights about every single thing that he does, I imagine. Oh, easily. Yeah, I mean, majority of his book, at least the short stories that we've been reading lately, have just been like four or five pages of descriptions and you're like, all right, let's, let's get this going. Come on. <laughs> let's move along. Um, you know. Coming like Charles Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> My question, uh, cause I have honestly not read a new one in a while. The last one I read truthfully, because Stephen King is, because I now went completely onto Joe Hill. I think that Joe Hill is fucking incredible. I think he got all of the best stuff that his father had and is like, learning how to he's learning how to end a book mm. yeah <laughs> which i think is great which mm-hmm. is funny because he helped write um, the ending to stephen king's like the last gr- i mean the last great great book that king had was like eleven twenty two sixty three, and the ending was and, aided by joe yeah. hill like he J- joe hill came up with the ending for it and he was like oh i guess i'll use this great. yeah yeah that is great well no, that, because I, the last one i read i was under the dome oh yeah and under the dome is compulsively readable. Yeah. Like it really is. Mm-hmm. But it was just being like, these are just five characters. I don't mean to critique at all. I fucking love Stephen King. And he obviously is far more powerful than anything I could ever do. He's, he's obviously an incredibly talented. But it definitely was like, you just like pick five characters from three of your other books. And just put them under the dome. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is, and then the ending, when you get to it, you're just like, God damn it. But, like, I, I literally, I got so frustrated because yeah. I got to page, like page 800. And yeah. I was like, I'm not reading this anymore. I'm just looking up on Wikipedia. I'm just going to see, I'm going to do the cardinal sin of a frequent reader. And I was like, I'm just, I want to know the ending. <laughs> and I just like, I looked it up and I was like, I would have flipped out if I read this for another week or if I had gotten to the end. For actually like looking up spoilers though, is that something that you are you like ever testy about that when it comes to like watching any horror movies or anything in pop culture in general, or do you not give a shit? So hard. It's so hard to avoid that shit yeah. because especially now it used to not be, it used to actually be things used to be vaguely normal, but now especially because people watch it and immediately go to report upon it on the internet. Where mm-hmm. It's like, 
my wife and I, I mean, like, we'd never seen any of Game of Thrones. I read the first two books, but then I kind of fell off on it. And we're like, well, we'll sit and try it, which was like the week before the finale. I'm like, let's try to watch some of this. And then it was legitimately, I know the whole ending. I know the whole ending. And then there were several, like, explanations of how it, not even just the actual actions of the ending, but, like, the, <laughs> the main plot lines that get, take it to the ending. Yeah. And you're like, great. Wow, well, we watch this now. Yeah. But we like Tyrion because he's funny. <laughs> I love Tyrion. <laughs> That's who we like. We like him because he's clever. Yeah. <laughs> he likes a drink. I drink and I know things. I think I said that. That's what he said. You That's Game that. of Thrones, man. I know what that shirt means. Now. I was just going to say, do you have, you have that shirt? And you, <laughs> you're like, I'm just going to wear this. So I, I'm not, I've not read the rest of these. I've not seen the show. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. And people ask me about it. I go, I go, what's this quote from? And I ask that. And I just point out my own shirt. Um, I, I like, there's, there's a, I mean, there's definitely piles of boobies in it. Yes. I can confirm as a woman but, that there are. <laughs> but then they like taper, they taper off the, they taper that off too. Yeah. All right. So you got Game of Thrones, but what are the, what's like, if you had to like pick a franchise, so to speak, that's like your favorite of all time that you would just like are still obsessed with, it doesn't matter how bad or shitty it gets, what would it be? Technically it is Dune. Yeah. Because Dune is my favorite sci-fi series of all time. And I, I absolutely love it. I love all the later books. I'm not really into his son's books. I'm not into Chapter House, dude. Mm-hmm. But the main six I love. Um, I am a massive fan of David Lynch's Dune. Yeah. Uh, I love that movie. Um, I'm actually even a 75% fan of the Steven Weber Dune. That was actually a good series. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am cr- cringing about the Tim- Timothy Shamalingdong. What's his name? The little the slight Timothy Chalamet. Yes. <laughs> Him playing Paul Atreides, I don't think that that is necessarily a good a good call. But I do. But what about every, because you're taking it from? What about every hmm? other person in that movie? Isn't everybody in this new Dune movie? Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's insane. Uh, yeah. Yes, it's, it's, it's crazy. everybody is in it. Now it's just it's just supposed every to be the first it. half of the movie of the book, right? The first book. I think I think it's supposed to be split into two. The two films they're doing, and they just announced yesterday they're going to be doing a television series, a companion television yeah, series. Yeah, so you're going to be in heaven soon. about the Bene Gesserit, which is the smartest idea that they could do. I love the idea of learning about the and doing the origins of the Bene Gesserit, because the truth is, is that in the first two books they are portrayed as witches you can't trust. But then they, you end up being like, oh, no, they've been taking care of shit for like a long time, which I think is a really cool thing. Just hopefully it's not stupid. Mm-hmm. Now, that was also the original intent behind the Dark Tower before <laughs> before we got what we got on the big screen was that they were going to do oh, a movie and then do a TV, a TV series. Yeah. So hopefully this works out for Dan. Because, uh, uh, God. Hopefully. But you said so you're, you said you're a David Lynch. Uh, you, 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 know, you like David Lynch version. Um, which most fans are just always just like, oh God, that's like insane. But is it mostly because do you love David Lynch? I'm, I am a David Lynch super fan. Yeah. Very much so. (laughs) I love David Lynch, but I also would say there's something about that. He, he just very literally translated the book. Like he did all of the slow pens and as people thought about their intentions, (laughs) which I thought was cool. Yeah. I thought it was cool, but you know. 
there are certain those types of movies I really enjoy. It's like you know, it's like ramp it up. Like sometimes they, they do take a lot of patience, but I like psychedelic. Like even when it's so like I like the movie Stalker. Like yes. anything by um, oh god, what's his name? I mean, just and Jadorowski. Jadorowski mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and. That, like these guys where it's just being like it's bloated and indulgent, but it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's filled with intention. Right. These auteurs who are just literally tripping balls and, you know, torturing all their performers. Well, maybe not all of them, but I, yeah, that, that kind of stuff. A is, lot of them. Yeah. Oh, oh you know, <laughs> yeah. well, a few of them. The, story, the whole story about the, the, uh, about Holy Mountain, about how like George Harrison was supposed to be the lead in that yeah. movie, yes. but they had that had the scene, the, the thirty to forty five second butt washing scene <laughs> in it. There's, if you ever see, do you remember the scene? Yeah, it's it's it, where it turns out because then Jodorowsky said it could not be cut because George Harrison's like, I don't want to wash my asshole in the scene, and he's just like, it is important to keep this. So he had it because the only person who was him. So he cast himself. So ridiculous. And then, at least you know for a fact he has a clean, as clean as a as a freshly groomed Pomeranian <laughs> butthole, which is very, very nice. as clean and as Perfect. cute. Mm-hmm. I, I like the idea. That, <laughs> I like the idea that there is probably an alternate universe out there where George Harrison did actually agree to it. And like, all right, yeah, <laughs> like, all right. Well, I've been meaning to wash my ass, so he's like so excited about it. Like, I get paid. I get paid to wash my ass. So that'd be amazing. Happiness is a warm asshole. So I think that I think, I think he anyway. wrote that. Didn't? Oh no, that's John Lennon who wrote "Happiness is a Warm Gun." Oh, never mind. But maybe in that universe, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe in that, that universe, universe. It's a clean asshole. Well, what is next? What's the next step for Last Pod? A lot of good questions. Yeah. That's a lot of good questions right there in one question. Mm-hmm. Honestly, we're just trying to keep up our we're trying to keep up our momentum. We're trying to keep up the quality of the shows as much as humanly possible. We are uh, going to be expanding our network, adding a bunch of new shows. So right now we're kind of moving into the producing side to try to get more people on the network, more shows that are like deep divey. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff that you can take away, like, but it has like kind of a dark edge. Yeah. And we're gonna be touring a lot. And I mean, I want to make a movie, mm-hmm. but that's me. We all have our specific goals. We're like Marcus definitely wants to write more books. Yeah. Because he's really good at it, and he's very very smart. He's got the attention span for it. And Kissel definitely wants to drink a bunch more Bud Light. <laughs> his life <laughs> so i think that's where his main concentration will go like i've seen the work he's already put into it mm-hmm. and i'm really impressed those BLs. Um, yep he's loving them <laughs> he's loving them i think that's what that's what they said about my dad with his bls as well he just loved them to yeah. the point where you get your family goes yeah you gotta love them more than your family or you know what are you even doing <laughs> Uh, what are, you even doing? are you even drinking? Yeah, are you even? Are you even an alcoholic? Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, 
you know, on, on the last podcast note, um, now that you guys are like nine years in, I know, and you guys are, are touring and working so hard, what goes into choosing your individual subjects? Like we just, tur- I just wrapped the Rendlesham uh, series, which I was a huge fan of because I like all the alien things. But like, how do you, do you have like a formula? Is it your research assistants? Do you just torture Marcus while Ben screams? Um, what's the deal? We. It does a lot of torture. It is a lot of torture with Marcus. Mm-hmm. But I would, we, we really try to sit and space it out. Imagining, we try to think the number one, each episode is either going to be the first time someone has heard us or it's your nine years in, mm-hmm. right? So we have to always be in, we have to engage ourselves first. So we have to be super interested in the topic. And I will even be transparent and say there have been topics that we're in the middle of we realized that we have begun to hate the topic. There are things where you're just mm-hmm. being like, I don't even like not even, I think we use it as a weapon. We're learning to be better performers and producers because like stuff like when we did Israel keys, as you we were going through Israel keys, I'm just like, I hate this piece of shit. <laughs> I hate, I hate him. I hate him. I hate everything. <laughs> I hate the way he is. And then you use that to fuel one edge, but like, the next year we have like a couple of big topics that we're trying to hit that have been very important to us. Like Marcus and I kind of have a short list of the big topics that that last podcast needs to hit before and like blink out of existence. Like there are, there are the things that have to definitely, we definitely have to touch upon. Um, Like this next one that we have coming up is actually a historical topic that we are super, super interested in that I think is going to be fun. That's going to take us back to the dust bowl. Oh, hell yeah. And so stuff like that, like there's stuff like that. Marcus is super, like Marcus has got me on the history train. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'm super into it where I used to think it was boring. So we have to excite ourselves. So we, yeah. that's how we choose. We basically create like, and then also what can be done with the amount of time we have with the, with the work that we do. Have you ever had situations where you like somebody's done a deep dive on something and you're like, fuck God, like oh, we were, we could have done that. Like, are we going to do that? But then you have to kind of like find it a new spin on it. Is that the only one that I truly feel like we got scooped by was Lorena Bobbitt. Mm. Mm. Oh, wow. When yeah. Jordan Peele did the Lorena Bobbitt story, because that story is fantastic. Yeah. And they did a great job. Normally, it was so good. And then you can't, you can't really do it then. And then it's just been like, well, they, they're, they did it right. Yeah. And we try to add certain things because there's certain things that we do have a lot of where there is a lot of where war territory in, in many of the topics that we choose. But like then we try to then put our lens on it because mm-hmm. mainly that's the idea for us is being like, what can we per, what can we offer that's new or even remotely interesting about this topic? Like, what can we do to it right. that will make it last podcast and good mm-hmm. and not just trotting out facts? because we're trying to tell stories like very specifically as much as humanly possible. But yeah, sometimes, yeah, sometimes you're like, ah, oh, shit, <laughs> someone's doing this right now. It's like when we did Biggie and Tupac. Yeah. And we're just being like, man, this is just like a lot of people have done Biggie and Tupac. Have you, so that's why we were like trying to figure our way in. Have you ever seen stuff where you've like actually prioritized it over something that you already have something set in motion? You know, like everyone's talking about Chernobyl right now. Like, is there ever a situation where you're like, fuck, we should hop on this now, like immediately and just kind of reshuffle everything? I feel like people smell it when you do that. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. feel like people smell the desperation of you trying to hit upon a thing that's like a trending word on 
Twitter. So we try to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we were going to do Chernobyl this year before we even knew there was going to be a television show. So before we knew that the show was going to happen, we were already on our big list for the year of what we wanted to do. And then when that happened, we're like, well, all right, that's done. Because then they now they are doing the thing where HBO then rolls out a Chernobyl podcast yeah. yep. with it. Yeah. So you're like, well, this can wait. And there's other stuff that we can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's the one thing is that the topics are kind of never in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. As much as I'd like to hear uh, you over Peter Sagal uh, talk about Chernobyl, I think you're probably on the money for that one. Also, just like Marcus and I were talking about being like, and then is it funny or would it, is it funny or would it make people want to commit suicide hearing us try to explain nuclear fission? Like trying to get me to understand what it is and Marcus, because we're not science people. Yeah. So we're yeah. like, we were wondering at first, would that be funny or would it just make our audience want to blow their brain? I mean, you did all the stuff on the like right hand path and all that. So, I mean, it's kind of similar trying to explain uh, arcane magic with a CK and nuclear fission. <laughs> Pretty much. Me trying to explain the Anakian architecture yes. of the spirit world <laughs> would be this. It is the same. Yeah, exactly. It I is mean, the same. Apples to apples. One day we will. So I know that the show obviously pivots a lot and you've got episodes planned out and everything. But when you're doing when you're taking this live, did you think that you were going to be able to craft a live show that really spoke to the heart of Last Pod? I know that you're used to getting around an audience and whatnot, but what about the other guys? We did a live show in New York for many years. We had a monthly show at the Creek for like four or five years. So we've been doing the live version of the show for forever. So it was more just how do we grow it up? Mm-hmm. Like, how do we make it so that an audience would actually, because the other show was just us fucking just hanging out. Right. So we just go, we'd show videos and joke around and do like little things. But it was just like, you know, free show at midnight at the creek. So it wasn't like the expectations were low. But now we're like, it's more like, I want to make sure that we leave. If you're going to come to a theater to see us, that we are as tight and as creative as we can be. So that's kind of what now it's just about thinking about what are segments that would be interesting to us and then retrofitting them into a thing. We're like, when we do the book tour, like this, we're very light on serial killers tour. And then when we do the book tour, because it's for a serial killer book, it's going to be like all serial killers. Right. You know, we're trying to add more information to it. On that kind of topic, they say, you know, public speaking and getting on stage is like the number one fear of all time. But like, obviously, that's not something for you to be scared of. But what really does terrify you? And what is easily the most terrifying experience you've ever had in your life? The thing um, that genuinely scares me is the stuff that's like, uh, the stuff I've read, I've read endless amount of times. Like, honestly, I think a part of my knee-jerk reaction is real key. If somebody um, uh, casing me and my family, breaking into our home while I'm not home, waiting till we go to sleep and then killing me in my sleep. I think that's one of the top fears that I would probably put out there of what's actually very scary. But the idea of someone's just their just patience to be used against your logic is very scary. Um, but And I'd say that's really – because in person – I mean, like, besides just straight up being mugged, I was mugged three times. I got beat up in the street yeah. two times. 
That is the, that's really the scary. So I didn't go to war. Like I didn't do any of that stuff. I've never, uh, I'm, I'm half a man. I'm a performing <laughs> boy. Um, so I didn't, uh, I haven't been in a lot of like heat. Um, I haven't seen a lot of shit. I would say, uh, we do have our neighborhoods weird as shit. We have a lot, I have a lot of weird phantom lights and all the, these like puddles of slime that I find are really, really strange. It is there is there's a lot of weirdness going on in Los Angeles. I'm concerned about the slime. I still think it's puke, but it's I'm concerned nonetheless. <laughs> it's mostly puke. It's most, I'm pretty well, certain it's mostly puke. It's mostly but there puke. is more there is but it is strange. Mm-hmm. Still. <laughs> it is, so I like, thought, there was, I thought like, you were gonna talk more about the slime, right? <laughs> but if oh. it was just if just massive piles of puke all over the neighborhood is also really weird. That's yeah. also fucked up. It's yeah, like they, maybe true. somebody like saw the phantom lights and then they got so scared that they puked and and that's what you're seeing. That's my. It's another theory. It's I weird. Just, mm-hmm. It's that's actually people just, just shouldn't be randomly sick like that. No, that's and it's funny. Depending on where you live, it, it doesn't. It, you know, it changes the context. Like. I used to live in like Lakeview in Chicago, and if I saw throw up on the on the sidewalk, I'd be like, "All right, that's weird." I now live in Wrigleyville, which is like two blocks away from you know, the, yeah, like sure. Wrigleyville. Like if I don't see <laughs> throw up yeah. vomit, it's Seeing like a lot of hot dogs. Here. Yeah, there's yeah. like something's up. Like you yeah. know, if I don't see cans of anywhere, like you know, things are messed up. The so. economy's tanking if you don't see puke in Wrigleyville. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah seriously. <laughs> yeah, it's just like wow. I guess the Cubs aren't doing well this year. Like, <laughs> that's very fat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Henry, thanks so much for uh, taking some time out and talking to us today. Uh, we really appreciate it, uh, picking your brain on, on all these it's items. It's so good to hear from you, man. It was yeah. so good to talk with you, bud. I'm sorry. I all saw you for a second at the, at a C2E2, but then we just were doing it stuff, and I was on you know, two hours of sleep. So I was just a zombie. Yeah, I know. I, I'm just glad I got to um, hold your hand in a strange way and make eye contact <laughs> with you <laughs> in the middle yeah. of all of that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, it was awesome guys, to see you for sure. This is, um, this is awesome. Thank you guys for talking to me. No, of course, thanks, man. Thank thanks you. so much. This has been great. Yeah. It's cracked me up. Thank you so much, man. I'll say, well, I'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Take it easy, Anytime, pal. Henry. Bye. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. <laughs> Well, that was everything we could have hoped for. Um, really excited, and um, was it everything? I, yeah, it was everything. So? Yeah, I, absolutely. Nice I had reunion. Well, last night. Yeah, I mean, it's always good to talk to Henry, and I, I think that last night I was going through my head um, everything that I thought this episode was going to be. And it was that. Oh, it was. Wow. <laughs> did you have like a little Mr. Destiny moment last night? Just... I did. I did. I, 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 I was, I was up all night. Just, just oh, NBC. You know, oh, NBC is up all night. Um, an unofficial uh, sponsor of this pod. Yeah. Yeah. Get all the DVD seasons currently at um, bestbuy.com. Um, well, um, we want to thank our listeners for listening to this little episode. And if you like what you hear, please tell other people and definitely go out there to the uh, services in which you listen to us. Us, rate us we love that it Apple really helps Podcasts. us really helps us get out there spotify oh yeah spotify what what else mike give, give me some more i don't give, know those are the only two ones that listen to us stitcher i wanted to call it escher oh, oh that's like when um, podcasts get broken down the, into staircases oh, the fall like of the that. house of escher mm. mc stitcher 
Wow, we're uh, really pulling it out here today. Um, like and subscribe. <laughs> yes, please yeah. like and subscribe. And uh, we've got more great content for you next so week. Content. So stick around. And uh, until then, long, long days, days and pleasant, pleasant nights. Well, I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot Consequence Podcast Network. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.